Dad, the people want to know, because we, we haven't talked about this since earlier this summer, has your your friend the skunk returned? You know, I was telling a story last night on another podcast about the skunk. I've got I've got other major problems now we can talk about. Hold on to your butts. It's the mast cast. Well, we're back, Dad. Mass cast, former Cup Series driver Rick Mast. I'm his non-driving son, Ricky. And before we get into the Cup Series talk, I guess we need to expand on the intro a little bit there because I don't know about the... Well, first of all, has the skunk returned? I, I do want an answer on that. And then has... What are these other problems you're talking about? Well, as I explained last night, again, on a different podcast. On the PETM podcast. Yeah, PETM podcast. There you go. Those guys are pretty cool, actually. They are. Some of the stuff you hear today with me is going to be repetitive. So if if people cross and listen to both of us, then you'll hear some of the same things a little bit. But maybe a little more clarification today that I've had time to think about all my statements. But basically, Ricky, I've got me an alpha. I've got me an alpha possum problem. Okay. And what, what I mean by that is, and, and people, city folks might not know, but if you live in the country, everybody understands this. We've got, you know, we've got some outside cats, as you know, Ricky, we, we feed them out there. And, 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 and over the course of time, once we lost our, our doggy, once our dog went to dog heaven, then this kind of opened up a, a whole no a whole new dynamic outside with the animals. Because the dogs, they always keep the coyotes, the skunks, the possums, uh, foxes, they keep everything away, right? Well, once he left, so now we've got, when well, we feed the cats, you can look out there most any time and you'll see the cats. There's two foxes that like come up and eat with the cats. Okay. There's uh, a whole covey of, of, of possums and there's two skunks, basically. And well, it really boils down to one, one skunk. The one skunk is kind of turned into our pet, you might think, you might say. Well, when you look out there, everybody's eating like one big family. It's kind of like what they need to do with politics in our country right now. I mean, you got all these diverse animals sitting there rubbing each other. I mean, I looked out the other night, and my cat's rubbing the skunk, and the, cut, and the skunk's rubbing the cat, right? Uh-huh. And the foxes are sitting there eating. And the pos- Well, we had an alpha cat, a big old cat, Tom cat, and he left. I guess he probably went to Kitty World here a while back, I, but I didn't realize. But what happened when he lost him? All of a sudden, we got this big possum that shows up I hadn't seen before. I call him Alpha Possum because what he does, he waddles up through there and he absolutely refuses to let any of the other animals eat. He'll run the fox away, he runs the skunk away, he runs the cats away, he runs the other possums away. <clears throat> so I, I seen this a couple of nights. So finally, last night I went out there and I just kind of laid my foot to him, right? And it rolled him a couple times, you might say. And he, when he got up, he kind of shook his head and looked at me like, is, is that all you got, big boy? You know what I mean? Like, come on. So anyhow, we had a little tussle and finally got him away from there. And so I, I don't know what I'm going to do now with this. I mean, the, 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 it takes just one person or one thing to screw up a community, right? Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's what we've got going on right now outside. So you've got like a microcosm of America happening right there in the back. I do. That's pretty I do. Yeah. It is a microcosm. That's exactly what it is. And, and people could come witness this and see it. And then they go see how I handle it. And they could figure out the politics of this country if they just watch my animal deal. It sounds like you need to get another dog. <clears throat> well, like they, yeah. Well, that's really what that's really what would would cure the situation. Well, the problem is if you do that, then he's going to keep everything but the cats away. 
if the possums, the skunks, and the foxes want to eat the cat food. Well, yeah, let's get into the, this cat thing real quick because I, I know that every time I'd come home, you know, y'all y'all made the mistake a few years back of because you got your cats that are that are in the actual pets that are inside and stuff, then y'all ended up with some barn cats, which is fine because it's a <clears> farm, <throat> but then you start feeding them. And then feeding them outside, and then they started reproducing with each other. And then next thing you know, you got a herd of cats. Now, the last I checked, I thought when I was home that this herd of cats, due to the inbreeding, had kind of bred themselves into extinction, right? Like the the tree That's... the tree grew out, and then it started narrowing, and, and just and went, and then just fell over and died because they just the, the, right. this, they literally bred themselves into extinction extinction because they were. They were so stupid they couldn't even hardly walk, right? Am I right about that? What's, what's happening? The, the cats are coming yeah. back now? No, no. We've still got two. We've got two leftovers from that inbred bunch. Oh, now those are right. tough cats. If those things are still around from that bunch, then those might be keepers there. Exactly. If they've survived that. That that. I mean, it's like a horror story, the, those cats out there at times. Yeah, we right. got those two. We've got the yellow and white one. We've got uh, the gray and white one. And then we got your cat, Huddy. He's out there. Yeah. And then, and then we've picked up another cat. They named him Fawlty. Uh We don't really know where Fawlty. He's a yellow cat. He just showed up one day, and I'm not sure where he came from. He's not one of our cats or one of our inbred breeds, mm-hmm. but he stays up there all the time now. I'll tell so. you what you need to do. You need to take the last two of those inbred cats that survived the, 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 the incest, and you need to team them up against the alpha possum because if they survived that experience and are still living, then I think that's your I think that's your secret weapon is the two yeah. inbred cats. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I agree. All right. So All you don't right. need a dog, just just get just just organize the troops there and it'll, that's it'll right. take care of itself. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta get the natural order of things in the animal kingdom. Yeah, that's right. Well uh let's see, what would be the segue here? Uh the natural order the natural order of things. Uh <laughs> Martinsville, the finish, the natural yeah. order of things, the NASCAR and how that finished. All right, well what's Let's dive into that because that was uh, that was quite a finish. It was very exciting. And what what were your thoughts on the, the finish between Martin Truex and uh, Joey Logano? Well, my thought my thoughts are very simple, and, and you probably know. And I call it chicken shit racing. But if those guys are okay with it, then I have no problem with it. No problem whatsoever, Ricky. If if you want to race each other that way, uh, you know that's fine and dandy. You know it's just not the way we did it. Now, yeah, we had. If you look back when Earnhardt did Terry Labonte, Earnhardt did Rusty at Bristol. I remember uh, Gordon did DJ at New Hampshire and some other incidents like that. Not a whole lot of them, but a few of them. But I remember when it happened, I remember at the time thinking, you know, that's chicken shit racing, right? And, you know, it just didn't happen a whole lot. But it, but it did happen back in the day, and that's fine. But, you know, it seems like today's crew, that's just the way you race now. You know, you get to the last lap. If you can't get by him, if you're close enough, you just move him out of the way. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. That, that's what you do. And if that's the way the guys want to do it, hell, I'm all for it. That's fine. I got no problem with that, you know. But the, the thing of it is, you got to understand. And, I, and, 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 you know, I've heard so many people, you know, this week, drivers, and a lot of people say, well, I'd have done the same thing. I had no I'd. I remember seeing one prominent driver saying, who's retired, saying, you know, I'd have done the same thing if it had been me. Well, I sit there and watch that driver not do that same thing many times, and he got criticized for it, okay? So, you know, it's a little bit different. But when you're, when you're out there in the heat of the battle, you know, it's, 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 it's just it really it boils down to is between those two drivers. Like with me and everybody we came through, it's all about who you're racing with, 
what he, the way he races you, the way you race him, you know, is he a dirty driver, clean driver? Do you owe him something? Does he owe you something? All those things factor into it, right? I mean, yeah, you can run up on anybody. I mean, I could anytime, anytime during any race when I was behind somebody, they would hold me up just a tick. Very easy to punt them, move them out of the way. You can do that. That's, that's not a problem. But to me, that was never the correct way of doing it. That's just not what I call real racing, you know? And then people talk about, well, you know, the pressure on these guys getting into the points to chase the championship, all that. Well, to me, the pressure is out of the race car. I just, you know, I just never saw it or felt that when you was in the race car, you know, you didn't really drive the car because, uh, you didn't let pressure outside pressure really drive or, or, or make you make your decisions in the race car. It's, it's just about what's happening at that moment. And you're trying to get to the checkered flag first and doing what you can to do that. You know, now with that being said, you know, one of the things that, that made it up so upsetting for Truex, Truex is one of those guys. He doesn't move people. He's very clean. He doesn't bump people. You know, he's probably one of the cleaner drivers out there. And, and, and he got underneath the 22 car and he ran him, what, five or six lap un, laps under him, you know, never moved him, didn't touch him much and, you know, made a very nice, clean pass. And then as soon as he passes him, you know, he gets dumped down in turn three. That, that I think, all that set up to make Truex so angry. You know, looking back, everybody knows, and I'm sure Martin does too at this point, what he could have done different. What you do different in that case is when you come off turn two and he got under him, he should have just got out of the gas and kept the 22 car to his outside. And I want to tell you something. I learned that. I did that myself. It took me two or three times I kind of got hosed on things, and I learned in those situations not to let that guy be able to retaliate to you. You know, it's kind of like if you bump somebody to move them, you heard this all the time. If you bump somebody to move them, make damn sure when you move them, that you're fast enough to get away from them at the next corner to where he can't get to you, you know, and that was kind of a mistake Martin made on that deal. So, you know, then, then, you know, what feeds into it or the neat part about it. Well, I don't say neat, but you heard Truex's interview after the race and, Oh gosh, he's talking about retaliation. He says he won't win the championship. He says the 22 car will not win the championship. Well, you know, we'll see about that. You know, we'll see if Martin wants to get into that or not, you know, because, you know, in in our day, I mean, when I came up through Ricky, it was, it was a deal, you know, it's kind of like a dog marking your territory. Every time I'd move up a division, I started out local running here in dirt, dirt tracks, you know, and every time I'd move up, you know, to another division or higher ranks, the guys would test you. There'd be two or three guys and they would test you. And you had to like dog marking his territory. You had to stand your ground. And if somebody tested you, what that meant was somebody's going to mess with you, go rough you up, spin you, do whatever. Right. They would, it would all, it always happened to me. And I always, always without exception had to immediately retaliate. Okay. So, but, so what happens then you kind of set yourself as a guy that, all right, if you wreck my ass, he's going to wreck you back. You move me, he's going to move you back, right? So you set the tone pretty early, and you come and it right up through into the Bush Grand National guys, right up through into Cup. You know, the same thing happened to me, and I had to immediately defend myself, retaliate, and set the precedent. Said, okay, guys, if you're going to race, I'm going to race you clean. But if you're going to race me dirty, I'm going to race you dirty, right? And and it, that's just that was kind of a, a kind of an unsaid thing that always went on. It seemed like with me in 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 you know, I mean, so the deal with the deal with Truex is this. And if we go back a little bit, you think back about 
four was it is Boyer took out Gordon at I think Charlotte and basically took him out of the championship. Well, Gordon retaliated at Phoenix. You remember that? I do. Led to the big fight, if I'm not mistaken. Led to the big fight. Led mm-hmm. to the big fight. Well, all the so many commentators, so many people talking about, oh, that was mean, that was dirty, and on and on and on. I'm like, no, Jeff Gordon. When Jeff Gordon came along in our sport, I was there, and we were, you know, the king was still racing sword. I mean, you know, you had you had all the old school guys. A lot of the old school guys were racing. That's who Gordon raced against. So he understood the old school style of racing. And that's all that was, is just retaliation. I mean, I didn't see anything at all wrong with what Gordon did because Boyer did it to him. And then, you know, who he was, uh, uh, I guess, the, the deal with Chase and Hamlin. Right. You know, although those guys are young, especially Chase. I mean, he did it back. And then it was somebody else retaliation. Oh, the deal with Kenseth and Logano. Right. You know Martinsville. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, people talk about, people talk about, uh, you know, that being mean and dirty and all that. And I'm like, no, in my, in my era of racing, that's, that wasn't dirty or mean or anything. It's just retaliation. And you, and you don't, here's the thing. You're not, you're not retaliating so much to pay the guy back. That's not what it, or at least in our cases, it really wasn't, you know, maybe 40% was, 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 was to pay him back. But the, the big part in my mind with a lot of the guys and I saw it and viewed it and witnessed it and lived it. The retaliation a lot of times was just setting the precedent that don't do that to me ever again. You know what I mean? You wrecked me and cost me a win. You cost me a chance at a championship. Now I'm wrecking you and, and, and make it taking you out of the same thing. Now don't do that to me again. If you do that to me again, I'm going to wreck you again. The problem is sometimes you get drivers that just can't get over themselves and you start going down this road each week, wrecking each other. And, I mean, you go back, way back. I mean, Petty, Richard Petty and Bobby Allison got into that. If you, if you know a little bit about our history, they got in this deal every week. They were wrecking each other, right? And finally, they got together after one of the races when they stopped fighting. And I think Akeem quoted on this said, listen, Bobby, all we're doing is turn up these damn race cars every single week. we got to stop this crap. You know what I mean? So they worked it out amongst themselves doing that. So <clears throat> you, the deal with Truex, and the problem with Truex is it's going to be unnat for him to retaliate it's going to be so unnatural for him because he just doesn't do that. You know, he just not, he's not that type of driver. And, you know, but in order, in order for Joey to understand that he can't move Truex or wreck him or whatever, then he has to retaliate to, to set that precedent up. If he doesn't, you know, that's fine. They'll go on and keep racing. He'll have one coming some other time, maybe, you know, but on the other side of it, you got Logano and he's got, you know, pins on. They haven't had a great year, you know, and this that making that move puts him in a championship. I mean, I get both sides. I understand it. I understand. I understand both sides of the situation. But to me, I've always called it chicken shit racing because that's just the way I feel about it. But you know, the thing of it is, it's more prevalent now, prevalent now, prevalent now, and in, in with what these guys are doing. And if that's the way they're going to race, I, you know, it's it's exciting for the fans. I mean, I, you know, it's it's kind of neat to see the fans hooping and hollering and booing and you know, really getting into it. So from that standpoint, I guess it's good for the sport. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up those, those other three instances, the, the Boyer Gordon deal, Chase and Denny last year. And then of course, Logano, Logano and Kenseth, what happened in all three of those instances, um, is that the, the, the guy that, I mean, according to you know, from his side that got wronged, eventually got his payback and he got, and he waited until it hurt the most to get it, if I'm not mistaken. So, that's right. I think that's what we're all kind of sitting here wondering is like, okay, what's when we think it's going to happen. I know you just said it's not Martin's nature, but I got to tell you from the way he acted in that interview and the things he said, which I also loved by the way, 
Uh, I, I got to tell you, I think it's coming at some point. If you're Joey Logano, because Martin's not going to get you back at uh, at Texas this weekend or Phoenix because no, he's already in no. the Final Four. If you're Joey <clears throat> Logano, are you actually rooting for Truex to make the ch- the, the championship four in Miami? Because if yes. he doesn't, because if he doesn't, all he's got to yes. all he has to really do at Miami, his only goal, I think, would be. I mean, obviously, you think he'd want to win the race last te- last race for the seventy eight team, but his main goal would have to be taking Logano out of the championship, right? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. When, <clears throat> when I call it barbarism, I, the guys last night I kept asking, am I being barbaric on this? Because what you do when you when you do when you do one of those retaliation moves, you either do it in the moment, right? Or if that doesn't happen, you do it. You do it when it makes a difference. You got, you know, way back, man, when the guys would do that crap, it was it was really you you do it to make it. You don't just spin the guy. You do it for the guy always remembers, right? And that's kind of the way I put it because I witnessed this stuff. And w- the way the guy remembers is he, he he leaves the track with his head hurting, okay? And with his head hurting means he really got wrecked hard into the fence or into the wall. Or when you get out of the car, the guys the guy gets his head hurt. I mean, I, you know, again, I'm, I'm talking barbarism here or whatever you want to call it. If it's barbaric, so be it. That's just, I'm not, you know, I'm not changing things. I'm just, I'm just telling you the way the history was in our sport. Sure. <clears throat> so you, you, you made it, you made it to where the guy, it really meant something to the guy when you retaliated and the guy understood, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hurt like that again. Right. <clears throat> well, in this case, you know, the way you do it is the guy gets taken out of winning the championship. So if Truex, if something happens next two races and Truex, you know, he's pretty much locked, but you know what? He might not be right. Somebody else could step in there and win a race or, you know, you know, we know how this could happen. If Truex goes to Homestead and he's not in the championship, then, you know, if I was a 22 car, man, I don't know what I would do. I, if I was anywhere close to that 78, I would stay, try to stay away from him somehow. All right. Well, you, you said something there that kind of piqued my interest a little bit. You're talking about retaliation and making the guy's head hurt, like out of the, out of the car, in the car, whatever. I always just assume retaliation amongst you guys was just when it would hurt the most, not actual physical pain, but like in the, in the standings or when they're going for a win. But you're saying there were times where you wanted to, you wanted to put somebody in the wall where it was going to physically like hurt their head a little bit. Is, I mean, this did you hear that right? Back in the day. Right. That was really before you were even born, Ricky. I mean, we're talking way back with, with all the roughnecks you had to race against. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I remember, you know, dude, I remember in the modern times in 1992 at Rockingham, I remember a driver that's just the most mild, uh, meek, mild mannered, nice, quiet driver you'd ever meet in your life. He got taken out of a race at Rockingham and the, 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 the guy that did it to him, you know, he made a mistake. It was just a dumb deal. What he did, he wasn't really on purpose, but it upset this mild guy so much. The, the, the guy that, that did the wrecking was parked right beside my truck, my truck, my hauler. And I sat in the back of the hauler and, and this guy with hauler was right beside me. And the mild meek driver came by me and said, Hey Rick, good run day. I said, yeah, thanks dude. And he was smiling and he walked by me and I looked and he went down in between our two trailers and there was the other guy that had wrecked him. Well, I just kind of looked to see what was going to happen. So I thought, what's, what's going on here? And I looked and I saw this fist 
came from, it looked like down in China somewhere, up through the ground, and hit this guy underneath his jaw. And I swear it seemed like the guy went up in the air 10 feet. He, court, he didn't go 10 feet. He, he came off the ground, Ricky. Okay. <clears throat> and I'll never forget, his arms went out. And one arm was on my truck and one arm was on his truck as he was falling backwards like a like a cat claw on a chalkboard. Like something goes the, on in your backyard these days. Yeah. 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 Right. And he hit yeah, exactly. And he hit the ground. And uh the the other driver turned around, and walked away, he's come by me, said and grinned and said, Hey Rick, see you next week, bud. I said, Okay, dude. And I I went to my guy, I said, Hey man, somebody better go back here. This <laughs> this guy <laughs> thinks he just killed this guy, right? <laughs> And this was, this was 1992, but you never heard about it. The, you know, the reporters didn't hear about it. If they did, they didn't report that stuff. I'm just telling you stuff went on like that and it might be hard for somebody to believe or might not want to believe it, but I witnessed it. I was involved in both ends of it. I saw it and that's the way it worked, you know, and and that's, that's just kind of one of the little, and I have other stories like that, Ricky, but that's just one little proof in the pudding. Yeah, well, and I no, I see now I understood the, the fighting after the race or after the wreck, that kind of stuff. That I, I knew about and I remember I remember witnessing <clears throat> I might have been around the same incident you're talking about. Well, we won't name names. We'll talk about uh, it after uh, we're done recording uh, here. But maybe I wasn't uh, there for that one. I was there for some other scuffle. No, the one I was at was you said that was a Rockingham. The one was. I'm th- the one I'm thinking of was at Dover. And it was out in front of everybody, and I'm not sure that anybody actually landed any punches. I know it, it, it did end up uh, in the press a little bit that week. But anyways, what I was asking, well, you, well, I was asking uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, what I was asking about was you were kind of not insinuating. You are kind of saying that you would wreck somebody in a way that you would want to physically hurt them a little bit. Yes. That was the way. And so that, that is what you meant by that, right? Okay. That, that is what I meant. Okay. All right. That's I, and, I was and, and, and today's that. And today's day and time, you know, if you if – you, did that and ever acknowledged or whatever, you'd probably have a lawsuit 10 miles long and yeah. be in jail and all that stuff. It's a, it's a different world now. We don't, you know, you just don't, you don't do those types of things. You don't live I mean, the guys will get mad and get out and like they're going to fight each other. Hell, they're not fighting. You know, you had that one little scuffle there, like it was a couple of years ago, and another driver come up there and pushed the other guy into the fight. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm like, you bunch of Mickey Mouse guys, what is wrong with you people? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I witnessed and lived what it really meant to get mad at somebody enough to fight. And when you, when those deals happened, it was, they were not pretty things. They were not something that they're not something that want to be seen on TV cameras in today's age. Okay. <clears throat> but again, as a different era, it was the way I was taught and the way I taught other folks, you know, but it, but it was what was so pure about it, Ricky, it was, it was self-policing. It, you know, it self-policed itself. It didn't need NASCAR to jump in. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have to do that. I mean, we it was all self-policed, and it went on. Most of it went on behind the scenes. Most everybody outside of that garage area never knew a thing about it. You know, I got a, I got a, probably two dozen stories like that that I witnessed, and I was either involved in or, or, or watched happen. So I know how this sport was. You know how it policed itself, and. You know, when you when you when you get into these retaliation deals, you get into all kinds of factors. I mean, you know, and sometimes guys, <clears throat> maybe somebody owes somebody something. You know, and and if that's the case, if maybe Truex was owed from Logano, if that's the case, and he paid him back, but that's not the case in this incident. So, you know, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, what how this all plays out. But it sure does make for good fodder for for our sport for the week. I, I will give it credit for that. 
Yeah, it's interesting to me, you know, they, we, people talk about, you know, Dale Earnhardt did this sort of thing. Well, you brought it up earlier, talking about Earnhardt and Labonte and Rusty and that kind of deal, did this sort of thing, and we, you know, we, we never, we, we celebrate him, all that, as, as we should. I, I don't know if some of these guys today can realize how, I don't want to say hated, but how disliked by non-Earnhardt fans Earnhardt was for some of those moves back then. I mean, not that he cared, and I mean that was part of what he right. built his legacy right. brand on. Was right, right. And, and, and I feel bad, like I don't want to dishonor the legacy by Earnhardt saying this because it, it, <clears throat> at times I almost wish that you, we did know some of those finishes as well as we do, because it almost takes away from how truly talented he was and how good of a race car driver he was without without having to without moving a guy in the last lap for a win. But that's that's a whole separate thing. Correct. But in your day, I mean, I don't remember anybody else ever moving a guy like that in the last lap, at least in your generation. I'm sure it happened before before I was around and that sort of thing, but he was kind of the only one I remember ever even doing that or trying to do that or appearing to do that on purpose in your day. Am I correct? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, you're pretty much right. The only other time I, I, I was when Gordon Gordon did the exact same thing to Dale Jarrett at New Hampshire one time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, like that was, that's, that's really the only times I can think about, and I've thought about a lot this week trying to remember back in those days and you throw Earnhardt out of the picture, then I, I just don't, I can't come up with any other than the time Jeff moved uh, DJ at New Hampshire. And uh, that was not a good deal for Gordon when DJ was after him there at the end. Yeah. And, I, and I'm sure it, I'm, if we're forgetting something, I know that our yeah, mass sure listeners are going to, are going to tweet us. And I hope, and if we do, please do like yeah. at Ricky mass, yeah. that Rick mass 22. Cause I've been, dad's been trying to think of some, I have too. And I had, None are popping in, in, into mind other than the ones you just mentioned there. So yeah, tweet us and, and let us know because it's and the it's, reason the reason it's so prevalent today, you know, is there's no there's no, you know, the guys the guy there's no repercussions from it. You know, I mean, you, you go knock a guy out of the way to win a race and you win a race and that's the end of it. Well, you know, when I came along and knocked a guy out of the race, I know I'm going to get paid. I know for a fact I'm going to get paid back. It's not going to be good. And I'm if I. When I get out of the race car, if I get to my car and get out of there, then I, I, I've avoided the first step, okay? Mm -hmm. But then I know the next step is coming. You, you just knew that. It was an unspoken thing that everybody knew, and it's just the way it was. And it was self-policed, and it all worked out. You know, it was always it was always good. But, you know, I think the reason you see it so much. Now, they talk about the pressure of being in the chase. That's bullshit to me. The reason being is there's, there's, there, there's, no, repercussions, there's no repercussions from doing what you're going to do, you know? Yeah. And that's. That's kind of, I mean, you take Dale, for example. I mean, he, you know, he did some of that, but I mean, he, yeah, every, it seemed like every time Dale made one of them moves, it was caught on camera at the right time. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, he did that, but, but there's other guys you would see Dale not do it to you. you Dale did it to me one time, my first year in cup, and he'd never rubbed my fender ever, ever again for the next 12 years. You never saw him ever mess with somebody like Dave Marcus. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, Dale knew who he could get away with it with and who he couldn't, right? And and he took advantage of that. So there were guys that, you know, didn't, you know, there were guys, like I say, that, that didn't get into that and retaliate maybe much. But uh, for the most part, everybody did. And everybody knew who they were and who you could and couldn't mess with. Yeah. Well, shifting gears a little bit here, I know one thing. Me as a, I, I've, from the time that the chase was first invented years ago, and then a few years back when they changed it to the final four deal in Miami, it's, it's, 
as somebody that grew up in your era and the old, the old point system and all that, it, it was hard for me to accept the chase. It just, it's never been, wasn't my favorite thing, but I do have to tell you, as we're sitting here talking about all these incidents and retaliation and all of these have kind of happened within the last month of the chase, the last few years and you love it or hate it, whatever your thoughts were on the chase when it first came into play and, and what it's been involved, evolved into over the years. I got to tell you, I love, I look forward to these last four or five races of the chase every year. So much start. It seems like starting with Martinsville through Miami and we've got Texas coming up this weekend and Phoenix and Miami. It's, it's, it sure is fun. I mean, I know for all we can, we can debate everything, the the merits of it and the declaring a champion and all that. But I, I don't know how your what your thoughts on it are. But I get as fired up about this last month of the season as as I do anything else on the schedule. To be honest, and to be fair, back in your day, I mean, there were times when a, when a champion was running away with it where. I mean, they might, they might, I mean, Earnhardt, whoever might clinch the thing at Rockingham or two or three weeks before we get to Atlanta for the season finale. I mean, it's, 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 we're guaranteed excitement the last month of the season. And I think that's been a, I think it's a good thing for the sport personally. What do you think? Yeah, it was in, what was it, 94? I ran second to Earnhardt. You know, he clinched the championship at Rockingham that year, mm-hmm. you know, and I should have won that race. And I'm still very, very pissed off I didn't win that race. I'm still kind of mad about that one too. You should have yeah. won that one. I should have. If we hadn't gotten that accident, we would have. But it would have and could have could buy it well. I ain't going down that road. But yeah. anyhow, yeah, I mean, he won that championship then. And then the year that Kenseth won the thing, you know, and that, that's kind of what everybody said they propelled NASCAR to do that. That was a boring end to that season. I know. I agree with you. This chase thing, I mean, you know me, Rick. I, I'm as conservative about racing and NASCAR as anybody out there, the old school fans and all that. But, you know, there's no doubt. There's no You can't question what this chase has done as far as, as excitement. I mean, it, it really, I mean, you're exactly right. And we had this conversation last night and I talk about, you know, I talked about, you know, what, and I brought your name up a little bit. Like, you know, you're, you're always talking about Blaney and Elliot and Bubba and those guys doing so much on social media and, and, and what we've got to do to, co- to connect to fans. Right. So to me, anything that creates excitement and connects to fans you know, I mean, you know, I, I was telling the guys last night, I don't understand. I never understood back in the 90s when this when this sport was growing and I was part of it. It was exploding so much because I was there from guardrails at Bristol to when I left. It was a coliseum there, right? You'd have 50,000 people at this track. And when I left, they had seating for 150. And every track we went to was that way. It just exploded. You couldn't get in these tracks. You couldn't get out of them. You couldn't get tickets. It was the damnedest thing I ever saw in my life. And I remember Kyle Petty, we, we was a group of us talking one time. He said, guys, y'all been noticing what those inner city kids are doing? I said, what are you talking about, Kyle? He said, inner city kids. I, I said, what do you mean, inner city kids? He said, watch, look on TV at some of this violence and stuff you see going on. Look at Chicago. Look at New York. You see these inner city kids and they're, what they're wearing. I says, no. Well, we started paying attention. All these inner city kids, guess what they were wearing? They had friggin' NASCAR shirts and jackets. They had these... You know, they had these three trucks and two car uh, jackets and shirts. It was all NASCAR stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, how in the hell do these inner city kids that never leave the downtown of a city and in, into, into well, not all of them, but some bad stuff and whatever. How, do, how, how have we connected to those people, right? And it's like a time I went to San Francisco and we, we drove across the Golden Gate Bridge on a show car deal about 20 of us and we're riding down through there. It was a thing for the California highway patrol. And we were riding down through 
I guess, the business district of, of San Francisco and all these thousands of people in, in coats and ties out there cheering and waving flags at us. And I forget, I had a reporter riding in the floorboard with me and he says, Rick, he said, this is amazing. I said, what? He says, you know where you're at? I said, yeah, San Francisco. He said, no, man, you're in the downtown district of San, the business district of San Francisco. He says, look at all these people. I said, yeah. So when we were done, we was getting out of the car and he looked at me and he says, man, I, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I work for the San Francisco Chronicle, maybe the big newspaper out there. And he says, we're right here in the middle of the business district. He said, <clears throat> all these suit and ties have come out of their buildings to come down here and cheer you guys. He said, I've lived here my whole life. I had no idea that the, 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 the NASCAR was such a big thing to all these people, you know? And he said, I'm, I'll never forget. He said, I'm just amazed and I'm blown away by this. And he, and I'll forget. I don't know what he meant, what he meant at the time. He says, he said, he said, it's like a bunch of closet Democrats. And I'm like, well, whatever that means. But, but anyhow, you know, over that period of time, I, I always wondered, I always thought about, I thought about it hard. What, you know, what in the world is it about our sport that that's making this connection with all these diverse types of people across the country? I said, because I'm in the sport and I'm there every week and I know everybody involved in the sport. And I'm thinking, you know what, if everybody knew us the way I know us, it wouldn't be that big a deal, you know, because it's not really anything that special. But somehow or another, Ricky, this thing connected through cross generations, cross genres, just all kinds of people. The thing just connected. I, and I don't know. I still to this day, I have my theories on it, but I still to this day, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how we did it, how it happened. And it, here's the sad part. I'm not sure how we lost that. Okay. That's my concern. How did, how in the hell did we get it to begin with? Then how did we lose it? But it is what it is. So now the question becomes, how do we connect again? And I think, the thing that you always harp on is going after millennials and social media and being more hip with current events and everything that's going on. I think that's a big part of it, but you know, that that's just my thoughts on that. Well, I mean, I, I, um, huh. I'm not sure where to go with all that, man. You went, you went, uh, um, yeah, you went to San Francisco, you went to the inner cities, you went all over the place with that. I I guess I was just, I I was thinking that it, as the sports evolving, I, I feel like that this is the chase in its current iteration is pretty darn good. I just feel like it, as far as an entertainment, just from a sports entertainment viewpoint, I feel like this final month and how it currently sets up is year in and year out, a really, really good product. If I'm putting it from like the, my market, putting my marketing hat on, I really do. I feel like this final month of the chase is fantastic. It's, it's, I think it's taken some tinkering and some, you know, changing some things here and there. And again, I'll, 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 re- I'll reiterate this. I was, when they first announced the change that there was just going to be a final four winner take all at Miami, I did not like it. I think I said from the, the, the onset that, you know, it'll, it'll make for an exciting race, but will it, will it determine a worthy champion or a legitimate champion than somebody like me, like my, in my eyes, who grew up in a different time, a different era? I gotta tell you, every year I, they haven't had they, there hasn't been a champion yet since the, since they made it the Final Four deal in Miami that I've thought now nah, that guy doesn't deserve to be the champion this year. It didn't have a championship worthy, worthy season. So overall, my point is they have taken they've created a format that provides excitement for the fa- finale every <clears throat> single year, and also to this point, anyways, has determined a, a worthy champion. And you know what? If it's overall gonna gonna t- determine a worthy champion, every now and then, if you have an upset or an underdog that breaks through, and wins the championship, that's gonna be kind of cool too. It's I just didn't want it to turn into like being kind of a 
I hate to use the word fluky, but, but kind of a fluky champion more often than not. But it seems like to me we're, we're generally speaking, we're, we're declaring a legitimate champion and providing more excitement for the fans along the way. So that it's a win-win as far as I'm concerned. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here, Ricky. And I finally determined this last year, actually. But I, I truly believe the way the thing is set up, it makes for a better Super Bowl. It makes the, the Homestead race to me is a 10 times, 1,000 times better finished championship deal than the Super Bowl. And let me tell you why I say that. For football, which is football is one everybody chases in this country, right? The World Series is right there with it, but everybody wants to chase that Super Bowl. And the Super Bowl, everybody gets excited. You, my team got in the playoffs, right? So you get excited about that and all the hype. So you're in the playoffs and you keep winning, you know, and then you win the division. You win the AFC or the NFC. So then you've got the two teams slated to play the Super Bowl. Well, man, everybody is bought into those two championship games big time. I mean, really big time. And and all the excitement leading up to it. Well, then you have the two teams that win that going to the Super Bowl and usually have a two-week break. And they do a, you know, a lot of stuff goes on, a lot of things written. But what I've noticed, and I've been to a lot of Super Bowl parties in my years. I, I don't know if I've ever missed one, to be honest with you. But what I've noticed, the actual Super Bowl game itself, it, it, and just watching people and how everybody's acting, it's almost to me like it's anticlimactic. It's like the enthusiasm that I witnessed during the playoffs it's not the same as the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl to me is kind of like the Indy 500. It's more about it's more about the the occasion, the pomp you know, and circumstance of the it. The pomp and circumstance than the than the actual event, right? Um, not taking anything away from the Indy 500, but you know you have 400,000 fans show up, and really uh, up until the last few years, the rule change is really a terribly terribly boring race. But you know people love being there. It's like Super Bowl, man. That's where you want to be and what. I was at the Super Bowl. But if you go to these Super Bowl parties, it's it's like, you know, the game is secondary to the party you're having because you're watching the Super Bowl, right? The Homestead race, it ain't like that. The Homestead race is you're sitting there glued to the TV watching this thing because the way it's set up. So, you know, I'm sure I'm sure some of the purists will bust my butt on that, and that's fine, but that's just the way I view it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's, I think you're correct in that. I completely agree with it. I mean, I, I, and it's not just, uh, you know, they, it's, what's interesting is they kind of set it up. They wanted to, they, the chase first came into play because they wanted like a playoff format, kind of like other sports, but for your championship game, if you want to call it that it, it's, it's, there's four, four people, four teams that have a chance to win as opposed to two, which is just makes it that much more interesting. I know that's like a real simplistic way of looking at it but at the same well, time yeah. it's a pretty cool way of looking at it and it's it's like i mean how many super bowls have we seen have been blowouts and that's a chance they take right right i mean a number a bunch of a ton of them. i can tell you more that were blowouts than they were close it seemed like you know but it's not that way at homestead you're on your edge of the seat to the so far each race has been that way you're on the edge of the seat is your seat trying to figure out the last lap who's going to be your champion yeah so I, I mean they really really have everybody whipped on that one but you know, I never see any of my negative scribes writing about that. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I just got a, a breaking news here, Dad. I just got a text. You know, it's it's uh, voting voting season all around the United States, and I guess some some friends of mine are participating in early voting. Um, right. And according to a, a picture I've just received here, I have just re- I have just received a write-in vote. Uh, I won't say for which county, but for a county commissioner chairperson down here in Georgia. 
apparently there was only one person running for this particular seat and my friend did not like this particular person. So <laughs> I have now received a write in vote. I think I've just been thrust into local Georgia politics here is what I'm, what I'm seeing here. So that's, that's hey, you, you'd be good at that. Oh God, I'd be terrible at that. You'd be good at it. No, be... I just get, just get, uh, Donald Trump come down there and let him spend a day with you and tell you how to do it. Oh, that's, that'll, that'll get the, okay. That'll work. That'll oh work. yeah. Yeah. That, that'll, <laughs> that'll do it. Yeah. Well, Hey, uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on that was big news. The 48 team, Jimmy Johnson getting a new sponsor, but not an ally, not just getting a new sponsor, but getting a full time one for the next, next couple of years. That's, um, that to me, not. I mean, we, we all knew he was going to get sponsored, but I assumed it would be like pretty much everybody else, where it's like, all right, we'll sell twelve races to this sponsor and eight to this one, and so on and so forth. For him to get a full time deal like that was, I, look, I know he's Jimmy Johnson, he's a seven time champion and all that, but in today's economic climate or w- within the sport and how sponsorship works, that was shocking to me, and in a very good way that they could find Huge. a sponsor like that for and, and side note it's it's ally financial i guess which they as right. i read formerly gmac which well, I, for years and years because i remember gmac used to sponsor some of the hendrick deals and programs right. and whatnot i just assumed it was like some kind of this is how much i looked into it i thought it was just like some subsidiary or somehow related to like gmc and Chevrolet. So I had no idea. I didn't know. I didn't realize it was just a financial deal. But anyways, what are your thoughts on forty eight getting a full time? Uh, well, I think I think it's huge. I think it's great. You know what I mean? It's 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 one of the bright spots as far as that end of the the program goes, the sponsorships and all that. I mean, you know, the, 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 they're what a hundred and fifty billion dollar company. I think I read, or I think that's the revenue. I think I'm right on those numbers, which is huge, huge, and. Ricky, here's my problem with it. Here's my problem. I, I read that and I see it. And I'm like, man, this is great. The very first article I go to, one of our one our one of our negative journalists and that covers NASCAR immediately started beating up on this. Yeah, well, they got that, but it ain't nothing but a big trade off for Hendrick doing business with them. Well, number one, number one, foremost, go read the statement by the company. Read the statement of why they're doing this. Yes, there's some people at Ally that used to be at GMAC that had relationships with Rick Hendrick, right? Yes, that's part of it. That, but what that is, that's your door into the boardroom. That gives you a door into the boardroom to try to sell your company or sell your sponsorship to them. That's all that does, right? You pass history. Number two, if you read that article, you understand why they're doing it and what, what they're up to and what they're doing. And, 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 and it's really about having a good feeling about NASCAR and Jimmy Johnson in particular. They, they, they pointed out his 2.3 or, or 4 million Twitter followers and so many. They had the numbers, man. How many followed him on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram? This, this company had all those facts and figures down. They knew that. They knew through Jimmy you know, they, that they felt like they could really increase what they were doing. All right. And then, which was a good thing, but by, by negative journalists, you know, then I read two or three other stories, kind of the same slant from the same type people that I raise hell about that should not be writing for NASCAR sport. They should be somewhere else doing something else and not, they shouldn't be the hundred miles of a NASCAR track. In my opinion, writing anything about NASCAR <clears throat> because it all is, is, it's all negative. But anyhow, they went on to say, well, all this is is some kind of cross-pollination, business-to-business relationships. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be some of that. But I'm sitting here thinking, do you dumbasses know how our Skull deal worked back in 1991 through 1996? The same deal. 
we had skull on our cars, but if you if you look at my car and Harry Gant's cars all those years, you would see an associate sponsor on that car every week. One week it might be Circle K, one week it might be Seven Eleven. And what they did, they would go where if say we were coming to your area, Ricky, in, in Atlanta. Who's your big convenience store chain in Atlanta? Uh, there's <coughs> I, I would say there there's two here, and you got Quick Trip and, and Racetrack are the two that Racetrack. Are, yeah, yeah. Go, <coughs> let's go. Let's go. Let's go with Racetrack. Their their headquarters right. right across the street here. Yeah, let's go. With I think one time Magic Market was big down in your area towards Florida, but anyhow, whatever big chain of stores was in that area where we we're going to race, that's so that that say say Racetrack. They would be on my quarter panel and on my deck lid. They'd be an associate sponsor for that race. Well, what would happen? Uh, uh, U.S. Tobacco would work out with that with that chain, and they would get to get on our race car in order to be on that race car, what the stores would do would give Skoll prime shelf space in all their stores. You know, if you know anything about retail groceries, it's uh, in, in, in prime shelf space. People know, know what that means. And that basically means, you know, more than likely you go buy a can of Skoll cause it's going to be right there where you first see it or where you're first checking out. Right. And it's a big deal in the food industry. The, the grocery industry is prime shelf space. So we would trade out deals like that. That's the way it worked. And so many other sponsorships was business-to-business relationships. So, you know, if these these are so-called professional journalists that know so much about our sport saying saying that stuff about the ally thing, being that's what it's all about, they need to go back and look at the history of our sport and how our sport has always worked. Yeah, and there, there's plenty of sponsors that put their name on the car and – you know, they did the marketing around. It had nothing nothing to do with business business relationships, but there was a bunch of them and it always have been deals just like my school deal was. So I, you know, just the more I talk about this, the more pissed off I get about it because I, it's, it's just ridiculous. You, it's, it, it, you know, yeah, not, no, I, not, not telling, not telling anybody what side of the, of the fence I'm on politically, but I seen a quote the other day and somebody said it. They said, if, if Donald Trump could, would cure, have a cure for cancer, the, the, the media in this country would still not give him credit for it. They would they'd find something negative about it. Now, I'm not saying I'm a Trump supporter or not a Trump supporter. I'm just telling you, pointing that fact out, that I quite, that quote stuck in my mind because I had just read this thing about the Ally sponsorship, and it just pissed me off to no end that these so-called journalists in our sport took that negative slant with it. And it's just bullshit. Yeah, well, there you have <laughs> it. I, I, I think you pretty much summed it up perfectly. See, I haven't seen, I haven't read the... Uh... I, look, I haven't read the article you're talking about, so I, I, I don't want to comment on that specifically. But the idea of like, well, they're just, the sponsor is just doing this so that they can make this other business deal with Rick Hendrick or whatever. My first react when you said that, my first reaction was so, so, yeah. so what? The, the, if the if the right. car is getting sponsored and there's there's it, this is all about business anyways. That's all sponsorship and the team. It's 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 all about business and it revolves That's around right. business. So I don't really right. see what the I don't really see a problem with that. I, I don't. It's know not what, a problem. Yeah. That's the way we've always we've always functioned like that. Yeah. But all of a sudden, these dumbass journalists think, "Oh, this is this ain't really true sponsorship." Yes, it is a true sponsorship. Learn history or get the hell out of our sport. All right. Well. All right. Well, there you have it. That that that's straight from the horse's mouth himself. <laughs> I think you wrapped that up pretty nice there, Dad. Uh, well, before we go, are you dressing up for anything as as anything for Halloween today? No, because I've got, you know, I don't want to put any, I got some good costumes, but I'm not going to put them on because if I, I get into this animal fiasco tonight, you never know, you might get hair and blood and you might, you never know what you're going to get all over you. I don't want to ruin any of my, 
any of my, but I do have to clear the path out for the little kitties to get, or the, the kid kitties, the little kids, little trick or treaters. I knew I do need to get them all ran out, run out of there before they get here. Because about the time the kids start coming trick or treating at our house is about feeding time for the, for the brood brood. Okay. So I guess, no, I'm, I don't think I'll dress up as anything, Ricky. Okay. Well, that sounds like a real life Halloween situation that you could have out there. Kids showing up to the house with killer alpha possums, inbred cats, foxes, skunks. Uh, I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to hear how this goes. So I need to do a video. We need to put it up on Masscast of this clan, and I need to show the world that cats, and even our outs, our inside cats, they'll go outside and eat with them. And one of our inside cats the other night, he was sitting there just rubbing all up against our little skunk. And the skunk was just rubbing up on him as the damnedest thing that the cat and the skunk just rubbing each other. And the fox is sitting there eating with them. And, you know, that, that doesn't happen, especially with a fox, you know, a fox, you know, a fox will kill a cat about about anything, but hell, they're all sitting there eating together. It's, it's a darn, darnest thing I've ever seen. I'm like, man, this is what needs to happen politically in our country. Yeah. I don't know how we, I don't know how we do that, but that's, that's what needs to happen. All right. Well, it's, it's, it's not too late. We'll get you on the ballot and we'll, that, that can, there's your, there's your platform right there. There it is. Rick's backyard. All right. That's it. All right. Well, we can't wait to see what happens in Texas and uh, the rest of the way. And we'll, we'll talk to you again soon on the mass cast. Thank you.